This content contains podcast. This adult. This, this adult contains, contains podcast content. content. <laughs> adult content, be advised. Enjoy the episode. Why doesn't Tora, as the largest child, not simply eat the others? <laughs> Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. I didn't realise we were all going to... Did you two plan that? No. <laughs> Although I, I kind of just went with it because the first time we tried to do that, Laura just went straight in with Merry Christmas. So you were anticipating it. Yeah, I, I knew I she was going to do that. Bells. I can't remember. There's a movie, a Christmas movie where they're like, jingle, and it just goes off to the side and there's a person with jingle bells and there's jingle, jingle, jingle. Oh, bless Aww. her. She's so cute. Aww. So uh, we've got a different setup today, haven't we, guys? We do a bit. Yeah, um, Elsie's, no, Elsie's forcing me to lead this one. She said, you do one, you layabout jobless cunt, or whatever you said. I didn't say that. (laughs) I'm not actually jobless. Actually, Meg had an idea for an episode, and I said, go on then. So it's a special episode today. Who's excited? I'm excited. We're doing our first non-TV show. Which obviously is a film, but <laughs> thanks Laura for spoiling that. Right, next special, we'll do a radio play. Do you think we're even going to title this episode with what it is, or just Christmas special? I don't know yet. I think uh, because mm. because unfortunately for like SEO, SEO. purposes, <laughs> we may have to Girl say Starks. what it is. Girl Starks, hmm. Girl Starks. So, what are we doing today? We're doing Nanny McPhee. government nanny and when you brought this up i won't lie i did kind of think "Mm, really like it's because it's not keeping with the form of the show and i was like i don't know if that is interesting enough and every time someone suggests that we watch nanny mcphee i always think i've seen that enough times i do not need to watch it again and every time i see it i'm close to tears in at least three different places yeah she does say this when she's like and then she sat there like um my mum always cries at that line no she doesn't she doesn't cry but she finds it emotional oh sorry 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 i think you said it brings us to tears she's already mad with me as well i don't need to get on another bad side of your mum she's not mad with you i don't think she's mad near me (laughs) (laughs) the line is when you want me but do not need me then i must no when you need me but do not want me then i must stay when you want me but no longer need me then i have to go and it's emotional because it's about parenthood apparently i wouldn't know There is something you should understand about the way I work. When you need me, but do not want me, then I must stay. When you want me, but no longer need me, then I have to go. It's rather sad, really, but there it is. Laura, the thing is, Laura is stone cold on the inside. So when you say that the, even though she keeps knocking on my door in the middle of the day and saying, I've seen this thing on Instagram and it nearly made me cry. Things like this, especially kids, you're weirdly stoic. I wonder if that's got anything to do with your upbringing. I think that the relaying it to parenting is like, well, 
do you ever want your parents around? It's yes, you're right. It's just because my childhood was not idyllic. And Colin Firth wasn't your dad. It'd be very weird if he was. Would it? Just because of how horny you are for him. I'm not that horny for him. Okay, sometimes just a little bit horny. Yeah, just a little bit. We've started throwing the word horny around a lot recently. <laughs> we, we have actually. It needs to stop. <laughs> what's, what's happening? Shall we talk about what it's about? I would love that. Yeah? Yeah. It, this is one that I remembered super well, so, and have watched multiple times. Actually, was it this year or last year for my birthday? Well, the it. benefit we have to doing this is that we have something that we're all very familiar with and yeah. all very enjoy. Yeah. So I thought I knew it super well and like every time I watch it I notice a new thing. That's really strange because I don't think like I think we watched it for Laura's birthday this year mm-hmm. and I'd not seen it in about f- nearly 15 years at that point. Yeah. Same. But I could quote it and I could follow lines on like Oh me too but, but there are certain... I but the same I I notice new things every time like little it. asides and little jokes that like I can't believe that even as late as yesterday I was like oh I've never noticed that that's really funny mm. so it is about a father who a single dad a single, a single recently dad who works two jobs <laughs> He loves his kids and never stops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's recently widowed. Very recently. Very recently. He's, okay, we'll we'll, we'll talk to, about yeah, this, yeah. but so he's recently widowed. He's got seven children who are so naughty that they are scaring away every single nanny on purpose. On purpose that the agency sends to them to the point where we the film begins with them scaring off the most recent nanny and the agency refuses to send out one as well, What's which obviously nanny? is a big big old problem. Nanny and Whetstone? Yeah. Anyway, and he so. doesn't know how to discipline his own kids like he clearly has never had to it was always the mum yeah it, he's lo- also it seems like so guilty he's a pushover he's so guilty he, he is quite a guilty man yeah he, like we don't <laughs> we don't really we don't specifically know why uh, but he he can't bring himself to discipline his kids because he he feels so guilty i think as well um there's this idea that like that what is left of his wife and therefore he's he does pander to them a bit yeah and then so he sees in the newspaper an ad for nanny mcphee who um a government nanny <laughs> i don't know if he if that's the first time he sees it but he keeps hearing the person yeah. you need well, is he goes nanny to the mcphee agency. They said the agency person actually says there's no more nannies left, and then the the mail slot creaks open. The person you need is Nanny McPhee. Is that you, Mrs. Partridge? The person you need is Nanny McPhee. Excellent. I needed to start right away. I'm already late for a vital tea dance. Nanny McPhee is not on our books. Nanny McPhee is not on anyone's book. The person the you need yeah. is Nanny I, McPhee. You know, I have no, like, I have nothing to contribute to this episode that is that insightful, genuinely. No, I Like, didn't... all I'm going to be doing is gushing about how this film makes me feel. That's fine. And that's that, fine. that particular bit when I was a child, like the letterbox opening and the disembodied voice, it thrilled me. I was, like, it was the it wasn't horror but it was like the closest it's like oh this is creepy and we're gonna meet her at some point and i was just 
thrilled by that scene. And when, when he sees it in the newspaper and the words have been cut out, can I, I just want to mention one more thing as well. You while can do as much talking as you want. Thanks. <laughs> on the subject of this dad not being able to discipline his own kids. When I, so I've worked in retail slash hospitality since Ooh, always. Where's this going to go? <laughs> one of my biggest icks is dads that do not know how to discipline Parent their kids. Their like mums, yeah, f- fine. But like when when it's a dad, because obviously the area we live in and the shop I work in as well, it's often posh dads and you really get the feeling that like they've <laughs> it's they've they hardly ever take the kids yeah. out. It's always the mum yeah. that takes the kids out on like the shopping and the errands and stuff. And they're sort of dancing around their own kids and they're like scared and I find it an unbelievable yeah. ick. I'm like, can you please just step up? This is embarrassing. The thing is, there is a difference between because I don't think that the Colin Firth dad is one of those dads. No, I don't Because either. the ones you see in the shop they don't know anything about their kids either. Yeah. And this guy yeah. has got seven kids and he will do anything for he them. He also does know about his kids. He does know about his kids. He loves them. Do they go to bed when they're told? Well, no, 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 uh, no. Do they get up when they're told? Uh, well, no, not exactly. Do they get dressed when they're told? Uh, well, now that's a good question. And it, there's like this implication that since the mum died, he's been a bit distant. But because she can't have been dead that long he can't have been distant for that long so he's not been being a bad dad for long yeah they they do talk about it as if it's been like a growing festering thing that he's been but actually um i only thought about this we we all only thought about this this time we watched it that baby is what a few like maybe one no not even Yeah. yeah She's, so she'll yeah. have died. Oh, because she can't walk. She can't walk. All. Yeah, I'm just getting tricked by the fact she could talk. Um, <laughs> she because I I was walking at 11 months, like perfectly fine. Um, so yeah, she's like if one. Yeah. If. So so the mum can't have realistically have been dead that long. Yeah. So shall we jump straight into the um? I don't want to say it. The someone else say it. Plot. It, no, it made me very uncomfortable when you brought this up. <laughs> that Colin Firth has a breeding kink. I can't believe you brought that up so soon. That yeah, is so honestly. much further down in yeah, my notes. Yeah, we're talking about. <laughs> that would come way later. Right, yeah, no, here's the thing. <laughs> I can't, do you know, and I should have made a note of it at the time, but there is something he says to the kids, insert clip here. There's no time to mince words. I can't support my own family. I never have been able to. There's so many of you. <laughs> but you were all so delicious. And when Aggie came along and your mother was so ill, I, I said to her, I, I think we're going to have to stop now, dear. And she said, she said, I know. That is, they're delicious. Yeah, he says, you were all so delicious. And it was like, he's basically talking about the mum getting ill, I think. She, yeah, and- the mum is ill. But despite her being, I presumably of a weaker constitution, because she's mysteriously ill, they keep having children. And she says, "Oh, I think this will have to be the last one, or whatever." And he says, "I know, but you're all just so delicious." I'm not being funny, but they've got this couple have got a breeding kink, and that's why they've got seven kids. I will say that. I mean, in I, fact, the Celia Rimmery character also references. No wonder there's so many of you. Yes, yeah. I will say like a little bit of like projection anachronistic stuff because it is the 80s. have you got breeding king no what i thought you were about to say projection <laughs> anachronistic projection of modern perceptions of having children i'm not being funny but, <laughs> oh, I'm not being funny, 
Look, I don't know what docs means. What does that mean? <laughs> well, basically, so like, it's the 1860s. Having that many children is completely normal. But we're projecting the modern conception of, oh, you've had seven children. Wow. No, it's it's not the amount of kids that makes me say no, no, that. It is, no, I know. it is what he says about them. No, I'm fully with you on that bit, calling them deli- Yeah, but that when she says, no wonder there's so many of you. It was all too clear what he wanted. And marriage had nothing to do with it. No wonder there's so many of you. You wouldn't in a victorian yeah, time say sure. that the, oh wow there's so many of you if there's 22 of them and they're all alive so wow. i might i feel a bit stupid for asking this but there it's not a wealthy household because the reason he's so distant is because he has to work work and they, there's only there's only one of him and he has to find a, a new wife to keep the allowance coming in mm. from angela lansbury <laughs> so they they obviously don't have a lot of money was there electric lighting in Victorian society or was it just for the rich or because- I think if there was it was not in the countryside absolutely not that house would not have electric lighting and yet they have so much of it they have quite a lot of electric lighting especially in the kids room I, I think it came in the 19th century electric housing sorry electric lighting to the first houses in London okay isn't yeah. it weird that we have we see like period dramas and like period pieces where the families are not considered wealthy but they live in massive houses because we're not the poor people then didn't have houses poor people now have houses or or at least well most of them do rent yeah but back then it was like if you were poor you were in the workhouse or you were on the streets or you lived in your employer's yeah or you were a servant so it's like when we see pride and prejudice and the bennett's are supposedly not a wealthy family they are and they're all worried about money because they've got five daughters and no sons and they've got to marry them off yeah and it's like your house is massive (laughs) within the like in that one they are at the end literally the lowest spectrum of wealthy in the wealthy in in england at that time also because of a law and inheritance a, a a girl couldn't inherit yeah, so yeah the yeah. house wouldn't have gone to any of the bennett girls they had no to it would have gone to the fucking cousin mr what's his name collins mr collins yeah. yeah so if if the house had belonged to mrs bennett and she didn't get married she could have kept it to herself and like it yeah anyway inheritance law was weird about women unmarried women had more when did that change I don't know. That's a specific question I'll have the answer to. Oh, really? Sometimes when she shakes her head at me and I'm like, what, what do you mean that's the thing you don't know? <laughs> An unmarried woman had more financial independence than a married woman. Right. And you could own your own property and stuff. But even if you were an unmarried daughter, you still couldn't inherit. You still yeah. had to be married in order to... Because it would go to, it your, would go husband. to your husband. Um, but yeah, if you were an unmarried woman, you could own property. You could have a business but you couldn't if you were a married woman. And yeah, I'm I'm those things now and I still can't do that. No. <laughs> I'm a marriage. I don't own property. But you are going to inherit. You're the only grandchild. <laughs> so this magical nanny shows up. She says she's got five lessons to teach, which the internet can't decide what the five lessons are. So I'm going to tell you what the five lessons are according to me. <laughs> okay, according to Megan. Mondi. Well, because the first one is, she says, lesson one, how to go... Uh, learn to go to bed when you are told is complete but the internet says and i think maybe this might be a reference to the fact that this is spoiler spoilers it's based on a book mm. the first lesson is saying please because simon does say please so they they that's the thing that she gets them out of the kitchen and they all have to say please yeah. right to make to make them stop almost killing the baby yeah oh my goodness, say please 
Get get up when they're told is lesson two. Do they, are... they, they, maybe there's five lessons not in chronological order. You know, like maybe she said the police. No, it's the first one. The first one, and the last one are the ones that are not. The oh, other okay. one, the okay. other three are really are defined. Okay. The second one is get up when you're told. Mm-hmm. Then third is get dressed when you're told. The fourth is learn to listen, mm. which is more of a lesson for Colin yeah. Firth. And then the last one, which I have written, because the internet says this is just do what you're told. Now, I think the last, last one is learn the consequences of your actions, because she says at one point to Simon, are you prepared to deal with the consequences of your actions? Yes. I suppose because that, that whole bit really centres around the word behave. Yeah. So... That's what she's here to teach the kids. Speci- sp- these five things she claims are her lessons specifically. Well, because Colin Firth says these are the problems. Yeah. Well, whatever. Yeah. And then they try and get rid of her uh, because they don't like her. And then all of this other extra plot stuff comes out like, um, actually, Colin Firth's destitute and he needs to remarry in order to save the house, like we've said. And he needs to be honest with his children about his intentions. Yeah. yeah. So that's what the story's about. It's based on a book. Did you know it was based on a book? I did know it was based on a book and the screenplay was by Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson. It's based on a book series Mm -hmm. called Nurse Matilda, which was first published in 1964 Mm. by an author called Christiana Brand. Now, I couldn't find the names of the kids in the book without actually getting the book. But one of the kids is called Christiana, Christiana, which I think is... That's lovely. Very nice and yeah. sweet. And um, here's in, an accent thing. I'm going to say Christiana. In the book. That's fine. Yeah, no, we'll let you. <laughs> in the book, it's about Mr. and Mrs. Brown. So in the book, the mum isn't dead. Ah. Which I get why they've done yeah. for plot on-screen structure. plot structure reasons, probably because they'd spunked all their budget on having quite a star-studded cast. Yes. Oh, yeah. Which is one of the things I wanted to talk what, what about. What year is it? 2005? Yeah, it was kind of... So Angela Lansbury was secured in 2004. Right. So... Love But so many people in this film have links to Emma Thompson. So (laughs) how many of these people were pulled out on a favour to Emma Thompson, given the budget was only 25 million? Oh, yeah. Well... Oh, wow. Yeah, so it wasn't like a huge... Well, you've got kids, so half your cast are kids, so you're not paying them that much anyway. The only... But the other half... The other half are literally they're all is chock full of icons very very british iconic but with actors. kids you're also paying more because chaperones and chaperones and your work film, time. Yeah, yeah you're filming for a lot longer because they can film they can't film for as long as adults no but yeah so they've 25 million that is your actors bill and your your effects and everything so i minimal on the effects in this movie these like, people really minimal. didn't get paid that much for doing the film yeah in comparison I also to what think... they would normally get paid but should we go through the cast though? Yeah, yeah please yeah so got emma thompson Nanny McPhee. glorious Nanny McPhee. glorious actor i love her yes yeah. beautiful I love her too. Yeah. beautiful yes. she won an oscar for best adapted screenplay but i don't know which one it was what else has she done she wrote i believe she wrote bridget jones's baby she didn't get no i think adapt- she did yeah because she was in it as well wasn't she yeah she gave herself the best lines I don't know where my phone is. Um, got Colin Firth. Yep. Yeah. Who always plays, good plays the dad with the breeding kink. 
My brother's Mr. Brown. Mr. Brown. My brother's hairdresser had a fight with Colin Firth in uni. But I, <laughs> oh my god, yes, he did. I yeah. don't remember the details, so I'll let Arthur tell that story one day. But yeah, his barber used to always go on about how he has like an ongoing feud with Colin Firth, which Colin Firth has probably forgotten. But yeah, <laughs> Colin Firth's too busy and famous. Yeah, got Kelly McDonald who plays the. May Evangeline. Evangeline. According to Mark Commode, the most radiant smile in Hollywood. I agree with that. Mm. She's got a very radiant smile. Yeah, everything lights up when Kelly McDonald smiles. Anyway, whoever likes other people's children? I like you. Who else have we got? Obviously, the eldest child is played by Thomas Brady Sangster, who is now engaged to... What's her name? Tallulah Riley. Tallulah Riley, who was married to Elon Musk twice. twice. So imagine having one degree of separation with the richest man in the world. Weird. Literally. The, rich, the richest, weirdest man in the world. And he was 15 when he played that role. He looks... And has always looked. He lo- <laughs> like he's, he's about like, five. He's yeah. tr- cherubic. cherubic. He's so cute. Yes. I, he he look oh, oh yeah he does look a lot younger but he's so cute. She won the Oscar for Sense and Sensibility in nineteen. Ah, okay. uh, who else have we got? Uh, Imelda Staunton, Celia Imrie, Derek Jacobi, Patrick Barlow, Angela Lansbury. Oh, how I love the bloody her. hell! Oh, it feels a lot tighter than eight. It, it's a very tight movie. Yeah, it is a long. tight movie, but that's all killing her filler. For yeah. characters, the, these are like notable characters. That's quite a lot for a yeah. cast that's also got the same amount of children. I I thought that Derek Jacobi and was it Patrick Barlow? Patrick Barlow, yeah. Had more screen time than they did because they had such. What well, I remember such this an film, impact. Yeah, My I remember favorites. this film with them having a lot more room in it like they're, the, they're great the gay undertakers the gray undert- the great the gay undertakers love them with the pink coffin oh they're so funny mm. good morning mr, mr. b good morning mr jones <laughs> mr ween don't we get you that time no not this time it's some of their best roles i think angela lansbury shines she's hilarious but as my sainted father always said Duty, Adelaide, always duty. As to your fortunate daughter, for it must, of course, be a girl and not one of those other things. She will receive private tuition in literature, history, deportment, and above all, elocution. If there's one thing I won't stand for, it's loose vowels. Celia Emery, hilarious. Imelda Staunton, just the the things that they all do with their faces. Yes. It, they're such comedy performances. They're brilliant. Really, really, really top-notch face acting. Especially from Angela Lansbury. Yeah. What does she say? Imelda, that- Imel- Im- Imel- Imelda Staunton. Staunton. When she when she is reminded of her days in the the armed forces and oh she has god, to force her face. yeah her <laughs> face she has to force herself to not salute oh my god what an incredible performance mm. she's so funny I understand that you were once in the armed forces oh it was that cooked at a training camp in Gloucestershire. I did not get those boys strong and all I did. And what did we love that Angela Lansbury said? Incest? Incest? How has that not been turned into a gif? It makes no sense we to can me. Do that, She's yeah. on the screen on her own and her body like twists to the side and raises and it's like, it's so perfect. She looks like a, chi- she looks like a bird. She looks like a chicken. She looks she like, like a blue shiny yeah. chicken. Like she looks the way that Mrs. Peacock in Cluedo would look. Oh, I think Mrs. Peacock would look not 
wouldn't have a massive nose like that. It's but she's like the fucking nose prosthetics of this film. She's a bit beaky. <laughs> I think that this is a good time to mention that we, could, we couldn't do the podcast without mentioning that one of the actors who played one of the children, oh. who played uh, Eric, his name is Raphael Coleman, or was Raphael Coleman, he died a few years ago and he was only 25. Yeah, he was our age. Yeah. yeah, and I remember when we watched this back um, for Laura's birthday, you told me this a while ago, and it, uh, watching it actually made me really sad knowing yeah. it. Because He's I think- fantastic in it. You said it while we were watching the film, and I was like, yeah, I shouldn't what? have done, sorry. Because <laughs> I didn't know going in, because you hadn't told me beforehand. It was the first time I'd heard that news, and I was like, you cannot tell me one of the children I'm watching has died. So he was an environmental activist. Yeah, he, he actually was part of Extinction Rebellion in oh, the early wow. days. And he was, going, he was going for a run, and you know how it's extremely rare, but it sometimes just happens. He was perfectly healthy, and he just died. So yeah, that's very sad. Excellent notion. Nanny McPhee. We need you. Nanny McPhee, please. We need you. Plenty of hard evidence for it. There isn't one single stepmother in there who's even halfway decent. They are an evil breed. Evangeline! For the record, whatever I may have said about stepmothers, that whole evil breed moment most emphatically does not apply to you. One of the other kids, Christiana, she is the mute child in the middle seasons of tracy beaker yes and she's we kept saying this yesterday but she is so cute and i think Adorable. she looks a bit like me when she's i was a dead ringer for baby meg but yeah. she's such an adorable child do you have a bob in your parents wedding photos yeah yeah she looks exactly like you in yeah. those photos yeah a little bit betty as well a betty always betty. had a bob um who friend of the pod betty who (laughs) betty loads as you well know also something that really jumped out to me on this viewing is she was one of the younger child actresses Mm. she was i don't know how she will have been maybe six or something yeah and i've never seen a child actor act so naturally like a child like there are moments where you just catch her like drifting off into space like or like just her line deliveries are insane it's like they've just recorded her verbatim it's quite amazing i i feel like they must have let the kids get to know each other a bit and like get comfortable with each other because there are scenes of them like playing and they are not playing like kids who just met they are playing like yeah like siblings they are actually acting like siblings like when she when they're in doing the kitchen scene and they're all super hyper she's like jumping and shouting jump 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 and it's like that's not something you can really script and direct a child to do it's so it's really natural yeah. And yet, in the bit where they can't get out of bed, she's giggling and she suddenly becomes nervous and slowly stops giggling. And that seems like a really mature, like, well-thought-out comedic bit. Mm. Like, she's... I don't understand how she can be so brilliant. Yeah. (laughs) 
Hmm. I don't feel well. Yeah, she's got like an awareness that you shouldn't have at the age of six. Actually, what's wrong with you? Um, and the bit where, um, oh my god, it's oh, this is one of the bits that makes me really emotional when Anne Adelaide is um, riding off with one of Colin Firth's kids, and he's chasing the carriage like Christiana, and she she runs up to him because it turns out she's not in the carriage yeah. and she goes papa the way she shouts that is like that's a that's a child that's not acting <laughs> do you know what i like about that part so this whole sequence aunt adelaide has come up with a solution to mr brown's problems which is his name's cedric actually isn't it with cedric's yeah. problems i think i think i think we can be on first names. <laughs> um, you, you say in the manners of breeding kink i think you should use his first name <laughs> well um and he she yeah she comes up with this idea that she she says um Oh, to alleviate your financial problems, I'm going to take one of your children to go live with me. Oh, one of the girl ones. I don't yeah. want one of the boy ones. I'll take a girl. One, one of those other ones. One of those Relatable. To go live with me in my house. And obviously none of the children want to go. So, um, I think Eric is Nanny McPhee's afternoon off and everything has gone to shit. So Eric, like, basically prays to her. He's like, Nanny McPhee, we need you. Nanny McPhee, please. We need you. It doesn't hurt to try. We need you. We need you, Nanny McPhee. And she shows up and she diverts Aunt Adelaide <laughs> by, uh, she like... She's magic, She's got this way. like walking stick staff type thing that she bangs into the ground. And the, Very raven. the pet donkey stands up and starts dancing. And Aunt Adelaide goes, oh, what a lovely child. I'll have that one or whatever. Yeah. And then she... You think, oh, problem solved. Problem isn't solved. Do not forget that someone has to go with your great aunt, and it cannot be the donkey, can it? And then, and one of the kids is like, "I've always known I was destined for tragedy. I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll go. No, I've always known I was destined for tragedy. I'll go. Aggie, go. Don't be silly, Aggie. You're not even a whole girl yet. And um. Then you kind of see the carriage driving off and um, Cedric. Cedric doesn't know what the children have, the solution that the children does, have come... Does, does Nanny McPhee say, oh, there's someone in there with him or something? Like, she tells him... Oh, the children have made their decision. The children yeah, have made their yeah, decision. Yeah. And then he starts running after the carriage, shouting Chrissy. Not little Chrissy. Chrissy! Which in my head means <laughs> that's naturally the child he thinks that they would send. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, who do they is the most annoying? Chrissy. So he's Aww. shouting after this carriage, going after this carriage shouting Chrissy. It's not her because she runs up behind him. But I just think it's funny that in I his head, think- that's the obvious conclusion. I do think that they did that because it is simpler to have the one that Aunt Adelaide caught be the one he thinks goes because it's a kids movie but i do think logically the oldest girl would probably go because she's the oldest girl on the note of the oldest girl 
so they're supposed to be like really naughty children, but she's the oldest normal. girl has like very eldest daughter energy. Yeah. Like she's so like, oh Simon, we shouldn't do that. Yeah. Simon, like Simon's the oldest, but she's but she's yeah. the most responsible. Which yeah. isn't that just typical? He's the oldest, but she's the oldest girl, so she's like, yeah, maybe well, we shouldn't fucking do that. Despite <laughs> the fact that she seems to be the most logical, because she's like, we shouldn't. This isn't good. This isn't helping. Fuck's sake, she is not told that she is the most clever simon's the most clever constantly even though she's the one that's actually got her head on the straightest we're not making another bomb are you? <laughs> yeah and then there's like the nerd one who builds the bomb the like, nerd like, one. yeah because he's always speaking in like he's always teaching them words excellent and- notion <laughs> we're convalescing papa when I yeah, I don't so, know. I don't know what dox means. What's convalescing? Like, uh, talking. No, convalescing is when you're getting better from being ill. Oh. Oh I- yeah, the scene where <laughs> that's the scene where Cedric says, "And Adelaide is coming," and the baby, it, perfect timing, just immediately starts wailing. <laughs> it's so funny. And Chrissy goes, "She scares me." <laughs> yeah. a beautiful line reading. <laughs> Your great aunt Adelaide is coming for tea. Today. Aunt Adelaide is fine and vicious. She's as blind as a bat. And we are convalescing, for heaven's sake. No, that's enough. I, I don't want to hear anything bad about Aunt Adelaide. She pays the rent. She scares me. <laughs> these, are, these are some of the best child actors I've ever seen. Yeah, they're very, very they're very good. good. Yeah. All of them adults now, which is weird to think mm. of. Like, even the baby's 19. Fucking hell. Well, the babies, there's two of them. Oh my god. Oh, yeah, they twins. twins. Yeah. Oh, I had something else to say, and it was about. Yes, when the. Oh, what's his name? Eric. When Eric's like praying to <laughs> yeah. Nanny McPhee. Something that I think the film does really, really well is that it doesn't explain the Nanny McPhee law. It just very quickly yeah. has the family accept, oh, she she must be magic. Yeah. Like when Simon wants help getting his father not to marry, he goes up to her attic room and says, you you made this happen, you made this happen, so you're on our side, right? Like, the magic stuff doesn't really get, like, people just accept it. And it, I think yeah. it does that very well. It's a very nice magical realism movie. Like, it's probably the first magical realism thing I watched as a kid, and I have loved that genre since. And This might be this movie might be why. I, I love don't it know if she- it is actually magical realism, or is it just magic? Well, because it's interwoven into the real world. Yeah. It's... If everything was magic, then it would just be magic. But. Do you know what I like is that Elsie said when I <laughs> when I suggested this, she was like, "Yeah, I don't know why are we doing that." Blah blah blah. She's literally sitting here like fizzing with things to say. She's scrolling through her notes on her phone right now. I am. She's I am. So, it's so cute. It's, yeah. I well, love what it. do you want to say? Oh, there's there's too many things I want to say. Well, what? I've got. I think what I want to say next is that it's worth mentioning that there aren't many bad things to say about this film. But there are a couple of bad things to say about this film. Go on. Um, because it's kind of a... It's like kind of a fairy tale, kind of like a morality tale kind of mm. thing. So we did actually ah, pick on, did. Up oh, on some things that were say. actually a yeah, bit yeah, off. Yeah. Yeah. Nanny Murphy has particular like especially fairy tale like features of like hags and witches and things that are bad especially bad on women where she is she has warts she has a big nose she's overweight 
monobrow. Big monobrow. Big. She's a monobrow. Tooth. She has uh, no snaggletooth. Yeah. Snaggletooth and ratty hair. Yes, yes. And as the children, so the the film is quite clearly divided into these parts. So like every time a lesson is learned, you know that the children have learned a lesson, and. Nanny McPhee, one of these characteristics disappears. Yeah. I don't know if that is clearly delineated, though. I At the beginning, I, it definitely is. Uh, yes. I, at the beginning, and it pieces off, and I get it more as an adult than I did as a child. Yeah. But yeah, every time the children are getting more and more well-behaved, and Nanny McPhee is getting well, there's prettier, a direct, yeah, essentially. There's, there's a direct association with naughty children and ugliness. And then as they become better children, Nanny McPhee gets prettier. Now, the way I will defend this is that it's a good way of visual storytelling, but which is necessary for a film, right? Yeah. Fine. If this is what happens in the book, I guess it's not. It's, it's just more of a close adaptation. But it's also kind of irresponsible to show kids. Even it is like... It's a fun film and we enjoy it. And I didn't learn anything bad from it. Like this didn't, this didn't solidify any anything bad in my head that yeah. wasn't already yeah, yeah, there. Yeah. Do you know it's, what I mean? It's, it's, it didn't introduce anything bad to it's me. It's working off of things that have been around in Western culture for centuries. Yeah. Not okay. Breaking the wheel would be difficult for a kids' movie, so I understand why it hasn't done that. And it would take a lot of different things put all together to actually change this perception. So pu- putting that kind of weight on this kind of movie is is not fair. They're working off of existing mm-hmm. things; they didn't create them. One I didn't notice until this watch is her weight change. I didn't notice. How that. Did you not? Okay, she's not. I feel like it, she isn't quote-unquote overweight she's she's just she's got like a matronly figure like it it almost feels like if she wore a different outfit that's what happens she literally goes from a untailored dress yeah that's gapy and like like i don't think it's a body thing well i to me that that's what that signifies obviously she doesn't have like her face weight doesn't change right yeah but like it goes from this looser dress that has no tailoring to trimly tailored and showing off emma thomas's figure yeah so technically it's what it represents yeah, isn't yeah, it? yeah 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 so do you think we should be doing this and because I, I don't know how i feel because i don't think it would happen I, I enjoy the film and i'm not thinking about it during mm. the film but when i think back to it i, I am a bit mm. uh, it's one of those things where it's like i don't know if if this film was made now this probably this conversation would probably happen whereas i think in 2005 they didn't even have this conversation no and i i, I don't think any it doesn't f- sometimes this sort of thing feels malicious mm. but it doesn't feel no. malicious because nothing about the film really feels malicious i'm trying to think there's definitely been like disney films where it's like this person is evil because they're fat do you know what oh like ursula yeah 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 what made me laugh is the fact that when she her first wart disappears, Colin Firth's character decides to. Bring <laughs> yeah, out of, he's like, didn't you have a? Uh, you have and two she, of. Uh, and did you used to have two? Uh, didn't you used to have two? Never mind. And she stands there looking at him blankly, like in a. In a kind of faux 
unawareness like she's pretending she doesn't know what he means to give him the opportunity to rethink what he's just said (laughs) she's very gracious there's there's this reels of like a pretend restaurant and one of them's like oh i hate it when people are rude to me i really don't like when they say mean shit to me and the other person was like we don't have to take it if you just say could you repeat that people will think about what they've just said and be nicer Colin Firth doesn't bring it up in a bad way. He's just, he's just, he's, he's like ADHD curious. Do you he's know just, what I mean? Like, he's, he's, really, he's really tired, so his politeness filters. He's very yeah, sweet. He's, he's he a very sweet man. Um, like when she says, I did knock, and she goes, he goes, um, oh, of course. Yes, did. of course he did. Yes, yes. of course. <laughs> I love that when Nanny McPhee appears out of nowhere in the kitchen, the cook just looks her up and down like, hmm. Like, yeah, doesn't like, care that she just... <laughs> there, there is something else that bothers me about this film, though, other than the, like, ugly is bad, pretty is good, right? Yeah. And that is the, when they're, when Aunt Adelaide decides she's going to take a child with her. And the solution, which Simon comes up with... We've not even spoken about Evangeline yet. Right, yeah. so Evangeline, Kelly MacDonald, like beautiful Kelly MacDonald, who's, the, like, the scullery maid... Simon decides to send her instead one instead of one of the kids. And what I've written down here now, does this suggest that lower class staff are expendable? Because even as a kid I find this idea absolutely ludicrous. I did find it weird, but I can see what the thinking was. She wanted to it's educated. it's already been yeah. seeded that she wants to be educated. So yeah, the whole film she's been learning to read. And Nanny McPhee says Simon knew that Evangeline wanted to get an education or that kind of thing, which she knew that she could do at this house. But none of the kids wanted to fucking go. She probably didn't want to eat. I also want to make it very clear. The movie explicitly at one point states that Adel- uh, Aunt Adelaide, yeah. Aunt Adelaide, yeah. Aunt Adelaide has intentions of beating the children, whoever she takes yeah. with her. What word does it say that? In the movie, she says she makes a reference to beating children. I can't oh, remember the, the specific but dialogue she says. She's like, I'm going to beat a bit, A bit timid, maybe, but we'll soon knock that out of you. Yeah. But there is a bit where she's like, Aunt Adelaide's in the carriage and she's like, tell me your name. And Nanny McPhee bangs her stick and and Adelaide smiles and goes, and what a pretty name it is too. Yeah. And then later on, um, Cedric says, she will be all right, won't she, Evangeline? I mean, I can't help but worry. <gasps> yeah. And I never noticed that. Yeah. He, he, he says, um, I can't, you know, I can't, I can't help but worry. And she goes, yes, she's going to be yeah, all right. Yeah. Cause what well, she fixes she, it. Yeah, she does. The, the... What? Because she's a scullery maid and has no fucking choice in the matter. <laughs> yeah. Like that's just Nanny McPhee's own Crossing little. Eyes, don't yeah. Because <laughs> service people for service people. Yeah. yeah Cause she I... was sent by the union. <laughs> government government nanny. Nanny. <laughs> I love the relationship between, um, Evangeline and Nanny McPhee, mm. like the first scene they're together on the on the balcony when she's watching her learn to read, it's just lovely. How's the reading coming along? It's much better, but I still haven't got to the end of that story. No need. You are the end of the story. There's so there's so many little nice bits about this film that I've 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 reined it back during this episode but i've got a little list of lines that i love and little moments that i love that i've been getting shivers down my spine this whole conversation basically 
like the and you thought there wouldn't be enough i don't know yeah okay shall we you're right i'm wrong (laughs) shall we talk shall we talk about um mr brown's job yes please (laughs) okay so mr brown is an undertaker and he works there something that kind of blew my mind about this film i just I guess I'd never noticed as a child, so it's not a problem for children. There are just dead bodies laying around in some of these shots. And um I did have the thought like last night while we were watching it, like, how didn't I pick up on the fact that there are loads of dead bodies in this film? And when he has his argument with with um Simon, yeah. Simon comes in and they're just arguing over a dead body. And there's a, a line in this scene that for some reason has entered the lexicon of me and my siblings. Like we, we say it to each other all the time. You never listen. That, we say it all the time. The way he delivered that listen. line just is one of those like little audio clips that just lives in my brain. Yeah. Like, you never listen. I'm never going to forget how that's delivered. And I love, so I love the line. Um, well, it's not really any of your business. And he says, <laughs> it is if you're going to make us have as a new mother. It is if you're going to make us have as a new mother. It's like, oh, well, yeah, you're going to ultimately really fundamentally change my life if there's another woman living in my house. So, fuck so, you, Dad. I would like to know if it's in the books that he paints corpses or if that's a genius Emma Thompson edition. I would, I'm close to buying these books and reading them mm. but but yeah so he works in this um mortuary. kind of mortuary yeah with these two other <laughs> great <Morticians>. crazy morticians <laughs> played by morning derek, mr brown <laughs> derek jacobi and oh what's his name patrick what's Barlow. his name Tra- thought we got Barlow. you that time <laughs> yeah and they're like this comedy duo and i for the life of me cannot remember what i like i likened them to something didn't i was it a magician duo i can't remember i don't know they are so funny yeah i would They're watch definitely so married poor devil he was happy to go <laughs> <laughs> so good i would watch a whole just separate movie of them two they're so memorable and yet 15 minutes didn't realize how yeah. much very, how little screen time they very hannibal have. lecter of them <laughs> They, I mean, we'll go into it. They are dressed very correctly. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I know that Laura has some things that she wants uh, to say about the set dressing and costume. I just want to say that I know that this set dressing is supposed to be kind of, at times, very garish, kind of at times, gaudy and also quite run down. But mm. I find the colours of this Aww. this film so mentally stimulating and pleasing to look it's, at their bedroom at like presumably so sunset cute. like they've got like tinted windows and the orange coming in it's it's almost what's that italian is it giallo the italian horror genre that is yeah. like ultra colorful his study with like the bright lime green walls with the paint Each- peeling it is gorgeous Each i love room. the hallway with the yeah. blue oh it's so nice each room that we see except for the kid's bedroom seems and the kitchen seems to have gone with a color and really stuck with it like his office is very green uh like um, not just one green as well it's like multiple different greens the hallway is blue Mm -hmm. where he works is blue and pink um and mrs quickly's house oh pink mrs quick (laughs) pink and green pink and green her her house and her cottage is 
pink. If you wanted a lesson in maximalist set dressing, it's her fucking house. I absolutely love her wedding cake. The like pink and green, like three tier fuchsia lime green. I love it. The line. Oh, I love my weddings. All the food looks, you know, like Harry Potter. Yeah, it looks so. Yeah. good to eat so oh my god in in victorian times garish overcluddedness was actually quite popular like you would have a room with fuck tons of stuff in it if, if you were middle class or upper class um yeah because it gives trying to be stylish yeah, yeah. Mm. so if you would have this room where you took your visitors like the drawing room the tea room whatever where it would be full of trinkets full of stuff like overstuffed fire hazard level look at all my stuff. things please come in and look at my things yeah. <laughs> the rest of your house wouldn't be so densely i bought these things for you to look at no yeah it was it was all about showing off wealth and also because there was this new market of uh, mass manufacture yeah. that had only just really gotten on its legs so stuff was more available to buy stuff was much cheaper to buy so that everyone was like yeah stuff <laughs> i like things and things would be super colorful because um there's a so in uh was it 1840s adeline dye was invented which let you do the really bright colors so yeah. like some of the dresses and stuff in this would actually have been physically possible because they had the dyes um, too many films set in the past are dull yeah well, and it's so, for kids so medieval fucking garish as all get out they loved color but because all the ruins and stuff are really faded we don't think of it as that but we would have thought that they looked just horrific, horrific. and yet on tv it's like mud yeah <laughs> <laughs> straw that's only the northern yeah. ah yes ones. have you guys yes. seen that um the the reconstruction of the statue of caesar yes yeah and yes. it's like it's, <laughs> it's, it's the same bright fuchsia as mrs quickly <laughs> yeah, like, oh, okay gay uh, yeah, it's like bright purple bright turquoise um but the the green was really popular the green of his office isn't quite the green but it it would have had lead in it so his office would yeah. have killed it what? yeah Laura started going off about things <laughs> while we were watching it like oh my god lead poisoning and I was like oh my god kids film <laughs> what kids about the, green? the attic that um sort of doubles as um Nanny McPhee's Bedroom. quarters so that was always I felt a weird departure from the rest of the film. It's it's almost like Simon has sort of ascended into her godly realm. It's yeah. a it's a little yeah. bit it's white. It's white. And it's, it's more like undecorated. It's like. Un, it's bare. It's yeah. barren. There's just like sunlight and nothing else. I think it's a she needs, lo- lovely scene. She yeah. has migraines. That's why uh, she has that room. Yes. <laughs> if like the modern equivalent is like bare concrete, which would be horrible. Yeah. But oh, yeah, that room like there's nothing in it until Simon summons. Oh, her. there's her staff just leant yeah. against a bare wall, which he picks up and bangs. Yeah. yeah. Hello, Simon. Can I help you? I, I did knock. I know. I heard you. That that hallway immediately reminded me of Lost in Austin. Lost in Austin, yeah, when she like Yeah, it's have do you ever seen I've it? seen the first episode of Lost in oh, Austin. Oh so good. Yeah, you um you were making a lot of interesting comments about the costumes as well. Yeah, I really like we've we've briefly mentioned this in one other episode. I really like fashion history. Uh and the the people I watch a lot of them really like Victorian his, uh, fashion as well, so they talk about it a lot. The only person that's dressed like 
there's two people that are dressed correctly consistent actually four people <laughs> that are dressed correctly consistently evangeline i don't know if her last blue dress is accurate but her scullery made outfits really good the derek jacoby and patrick baller their shirts are really good um and then mrs quickly's friend is she's correctly. fantastic a fantastic actress mm-hmm. i can't remember her name but she always looks really ill and i love it <laughs> in this Again, movie she looks, the time she looks so unwell in this movie yeah. it's so she's funny very adaptable she's a chameleon yeah she's really good but yeah um but mark darcy oh, not mark darcy. <laughs> Um, Cedric Brown. Cedric Brown. Colin Firth. He he is not dressed at all. He, well, he is dressed. Yeah, he's dressed. <laughs> but like, unfortunately, but like he's just wearing like he's just wearing modern shirts. Yeah, when you look at the shirt, it's like oh M and S. Yeah, it's it's not like oh yes, yeah, someone hand sewed this. No, it's like you you pop down the shops and bought this. One of my favorite bits of the film is when all the uh, it's the day of his wedding to mrs quickly and all the children are like lined up in their wedding outfits in the hallway and um his aunt i think his aunt arrives or he's showing someone in through the door and he says the shepherdesses are this way and the boys uh actually i don't know what the boys are because the (laughs) girls are dressed as like little bo peep and the boys are dressed as something i don't know but they're not shepherds are they a few years ago maybe i don't know when it was i think i was maybe 15 or something i was watching nanny mcphee and i hadn't seen it in quite a long time and but i had seen it a bunch of times before Mm. and it got to the kitchen scene which is the first scene that's really like high energy and the first it's the first magical scene really and like emotions are high and i got really overwhelmed by it and it it got to the point where chrissy points at nanny mcphee and goes it's her fault and the music sort of swells and i started crying because i realized how much i loved the film well stop if you want me it's her fault it all started when she banged that stick god she thought she had nothing to say (laughs) oh imelda staunton's outfit yeah completely anachronistic oh my but, god her hair is so yellow but but i love i love she's basically got a like a almost pajama-esque military shirt on oh oh i'm getting yeah another sort of i did want to say do you mixer. mean orange no yeah her hair well her hair is so orange yeah. she's got like a military-esque shirt on the high collar and the like shoulder thingies and she's got a military hat on but she's a chef she the the design choices and like makeup choices for some of the characters are very like imaginative like Mm. i don't even think i would have thought she's got bright red sort of almost chucky hair yeah and And like very flush she's very flush all the time and then yeah celia imry's character's got like blonde hair that looks like it's it has been badly dyed it's yellow yeah (laughs) oh also i I do want to mention that she has got two accessories that are lambs that are dyed pink and yellow <laughs> yeah which i assume is why the girls are dressed yeah, as a bopee. Yeah. well she she's with her friend like eating like tea and cakes um in her parlor before the kids come along and beg her to get back with their, their dad. dad yeah and she's saying like 
she's clearly had a few wines and like sherry's, sherry's. <laughs> and she's like oh i just i just got the the sheep dipped yesterday <laughs> came oh let he was in a madden condition he couldn't keep his hands off me but i held firm i said cedric i mean cedric i have my reputation to uphold it's marriage or nothing what do you take me for some common tart not for me i bloated no some common tart you said what's that knocking <gasps> it might be him <gasps> She's like stumbling over her words, and it's it's beautiful. It's just two girlies having tea. Oh yes, the the, the aunt, the great aunt Adel- Adelaide. That's God, the why one. Is her, why are names so difficult for me today? Um, she has set the like you need to get married within a month, Cedric, or I'm cutting you off, Cedric. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the aunt gives Big the the uh, evil great aunt, great aunt Elizabeth from Pride and Prejudice. Oh, I know. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, Catherine de Catherine de Burr. She gives big <laughs> Catherine de Burr energy, um, but shiny and blue. All women want is the patronage of <laughs> of Catherine de Burr. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you have a month to marry, and the only woman in this presumably village that is available to Cedric Brown is Mrs. Quickly. <laughs> he only knows one woman. <laughs> It'll have the, to be her. The only reason he knows her as well because presumably he worked on her late husband. Yeah. Yes, he he is given like this ultimatum and he's like at work stressing about it. And he like puts his head out through the like curtains of his working area <laughs> and says to the other two guys that work there, Oh, what does he say to them? He's like, Have you got the details? You don't you don't remember the uh the woman who came in uh, yeah, and they six say something ago. back that's so funny, but I can't They say um this is ass quickly. Oh, don't. Oh. Oh, Mr. Brown, you are a saint. You have a lovely lovely look of kindness kindness about you. What I wouldn't give for a man like you, Mr. Brown, in my hour of need. (laughs) That one. Yes, that one. We buried Mr. Quickly last autumn. Mm. Poor devil. He He was was happy happy to to go. go. And he was her third. He was. You don't happen to know if 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 she ever ever, um, remarried. (laughs) Number four. (laughs) Mr. Brown. You're not thinking what I think you're thinking, are you, Mr. Brown? Good grief, no, 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 no. What a thought. No. Oh. oh, Mr. Brown, you have a lovely look of kindness about you. Why well, wouldn't give Mr. Brown? No, they man. say something when he when he's oh, like. In they s- quote her. They, they oh. quote yes, and they quote um. They talk about his husband. I'm sorry to interrupt there. <laughs> no, that's right. They quote his husband. Poor devil. He was happy he to go. go. They said to each other. I thought that they'd said something. I thought that they'd made a reference oh, they to said, how desperate. He yeah, was they said, oh, Mr. Brown, you're not thinking what I think you're thinking. Yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, of course not. Just, just curious. No, God, no, 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 of course not. <laughs> and then they look at each other and they go, because oh. <laughs> presumably, like they also know how slim with the uh bachelorette options are in this village i mean so is it any wonder that he ends up marrying the only other woman available i love sebastian the um little round face little round child when he's it's very near the beginning he's shouting to evangeline they've been told they're not allowed to have supper and he goes I really am hungry, Evangeline. Could I maybe have some secret toast and jam? 
all right, forget the jam. Just, just a secret, secret toast. toast. And then Evangeline, little grass, goes to Mr. Brown. And it's a lovely scene where she's saying, do you want me to plump the pillows on Mrs. Brown's chair? Only I know how you like to do it yourself sometimes. Because Mr. Brown talks to this chair a lot. And she grasses out Sebastian. She says, I was wondering if I could give some give Sebastian some toast. No, 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 they get nothing. I could do it secret-like. That's a lovely bit of dialogue and I love it. Yeah. Well, yeah, because then she... Then they, they storm the kitchen, tie up the cook, um, and... It, there's all the all the adults are yelling and Evangeline turns to Miss Brown. She's like, it's your fault. You didn't let them have dinner. Oh, and they have their little argument. They're in the kitchen. No, no, no. You took them down for toast. I never did. You sent them to bed with no dinner. That's what you've done it. Don't tell Why don't you, um, no, I, I think I'd better do it. Well, no, I, I can't. You, you, um... And she speaks back to him, and yeah. then there's a knock on the door and that, like, iconic silhouette of Nanny McPhee, and they jump together. Yeah. yeah. She gets in the way of the sexu- sexual tension. She causes it. She causes the mm. sexual tension. She knew what she was doing the whole time. Oh, yeah, Nanny McPhee. Another scene that I think is utterly magical is when the kids who all share this like dorm like bedroom i love that as well yeah i love that they all sleep in one and they room. all have their little booth like they've all decorated it out yeah. themselves um they're it's very barracks they're doing <laughs> <laughs> it's only it's only military iconography yes. in this and there are seven of them it's almost von trapp like <laughs> But yeah, they're doing, you can tell without them saying it that they've done this a million times before with all the other nannies. They're giving the wrong names. Mm, mm. They're introducing themselves mm. as like funny names. <laughs> and and the, the little kids are like arguing over, no, I'm bum. You can't be bum. You're poop. Yeah. Like, <laughs> bosoms. Bosoms. Like, She's so cute. You, you can't be bum. Like, you, they're you can't calling... be poop. And bum. They're calling each other by their names and then saying, no, you can't be poo or bum. (laughs) (laughs) Aggie's poo. It's so cute. And you know that they've like been doing it ages and it's their thing. But then she, Nanny McPhee leans into, like she's looking at the baby in the face and Mm -hmm. the baby's looking back. Like she stops rattling and she takes notice and she goes, good night, Agatha. And the baby like looks down like she's a little bit scared. It's such a, oh, it's such a magical moment. And then she goes round all of the other kids. It's like, good night, Lily. Good night. What's the, what's the oldest girl called? I can't remember. Uh, Tora. Good night, Tora. Tora? Good night, Christiana. And then she gets to the end of the room. She gets to the door and she turns around and she goes, good night, Simon. Yeah, oh, it's so good. They like you, little cunt. They're, they're all really unsettled, and it's oh, it's just really good. I they're, love the names of all these kids. Yeah. I love the name Tora. I do think that some of the names, like I don't think the kid named Simon should be named Simon. I think he should be um, Eric. Like some of really, I think he looks quite like a Simon. Mm. Might just be because my dad's called Simon. So say please, Simon. Oh, for goodness' sake, please. Then I think Aggie... we don't need clips. Just Elsie. <laughs> 
I think Aggie, the baby, I know she's played by two babies, yeah. but she is so cute I could cry. Yeah. Uh, sorry, if you played, if you're one of the two people who played that baby, <laughs> I think you're one of the most baby-looking babies in the whole world. I'm obsessed with the way that, like, when they're all lined up ready for the wedding and she, they're getting that talk from Mrs. Quickly, she rips the rattle off the baby oh my god and yeah. the baby starts crying for real because obviously it would and it's like that's that's so nasty and we're not having any of that nasty noise all the way through my nice wedding either <laughs> shut up <laughs> naughty it's our mother's rattle give it back i'm your mother now the the baby's got a rattle from the dead mother yeah and the the stepmom the soon-to-be stepmom rips it out of the baby's hand and snaps, and snaps it. it in half in front of her face and it, i'm your mummy now uh, <laughs> oh else? that was oh elsie so <laughs> oh maybe i have to stop recording <laughs> uh, no it's, dear listener help me <laughs> <laughs> it's so heartbreaking to watch and then at the end when it starts snowing and the cook goes snow in august snow in august well when that's happening and it's all everything's worked out there's just a little like oh it's fine the the fixed rattle is dropping down from the heavens she's still got the rattle it's okay (laughs) it's like at the end of the film everything magically like it starts snowing which um feels a bit shoehorned in there because there's no reason for it to happen other than the fact that the cook has been saying there'll be snow in august before she's there when i need her or something and she doesn't need to say that (laughs) so everything is like magically turns white for the new wedding evangeline's to, dress turns into a wedding into dress. a wedding dress because oh spoilers they get married at the end <laughs> colin firth is wearing the outfit he's wearing at the beginning of bridget jones too he, he's marrying and also as mr darcy <laughs> he's marrying a woman who is who looks at least looks young enough to have been able to be passed off as one of his own children which i have always thought is a bit strange um, and uh, as we were watching it last night it's like the whole film when it's meant to look gross and garish and ugly we're like oh my god it looks amazing and as soon as everything went white that was when we started going oh that looks a bit weird doesn't it oh, i don't know if i like that i don't most, like the way a veil looks oh why is it snowing like that we're the like, bring the visual, colors back the most visual effects are in this moment because they they elsa her wedding dress and the veil sits really weirdly over her face um i think the only other time i think there are like vfx as a focus point is when she's given the measles medicine and it's no there's also the donkey oh yeah and yeah, there's the bit right. in the kitchen at the beginning where oh, they're sped that, when they're sped that was clever. clever i really yeah. want to know how they did that because they, their bodies are moving fast but their faces are moving normally yeah which i think i don't exactly know how you would do that especially do you know much use... about video editing though well no i'm asking yeah, but you're like, I don't know exactly how they do that specifically, but I do know a lot of other things. <laughs> I think they they would have probably. Whoa, sorry guys. Filmed on film in two thousand and five, right? I just hit myself in the head with a lamp. You okay? Yeah, good. Government nanny. <laughs> Ah! 
Um, I like when the snow is falling, the first thing you actually see is the shadow of the snow in all the rooms of the house that we've been in. And then we go outside. And twice in the film, Nanny McPhee does a little curtsy to the dead mum's chair. And I think that that is absolutely lovely. We haven't talked yet about when, so when... Cedric has got, he's at the end of his rope. He's like, oh, fuck. And my only option, I have to send a message to Mrs. Quickly. I have to do it. And she comes around and we haven't talked about that. Oh, whole the whole sequence. Scene. Oh, yeah. yeah. When she, he's trying to get her out of the way of all the booby traps the kids have set. And she's basically like, this man is so horny for yeah. me. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I do beg your pardon. I don't know what came over me. I do. I understand. I never took you for such. But now I see it. Passion is clearly your nature too. I feel it. So they're they're in his office um, and the kids are all either in the office somehow or outside the window. Where's Nanny McPhee during this? Like It's her day off, isn't it? Yeah. No, because that was. Oh, no, when, it's not. It yeah. isn't her day off. Because her day oh, off was... uh, I remember. Does Simon not say to her, help us stop this? And she says, You're on your own, do what you want. You're on your own. Yeah. 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 I. We. Need you to help us get rid of this woman, Mrs. Quickly. It will not surprise you to hear that I cannot agree to that, Simon. Then at least will you promise to let us do whatever we have to do to get rid of her? Are you prepared? To accept the consequences. Yes. You're right. Um, and so the kids decide sabotage via mostly food. Yeah, or worms and toads. And electricity. And electricity. <laughs> and when she calls him a bounder and a cad, he a then... A flounder and a... Bad. <laughs> no! This is too much, sir! <laughs> you are a cad. <laughs> yeah he decides then to come clean and say to the kids like that was the last thing standing between us and ruin and Ah, you're off to the workhouse yeah and he mentions like some of you will be sent to the workhouse oh it's just it's such a oh it's such a horrible scene it's so miserable that is like okay well there's options for you like i don't know how the property ladder worked in uh 1860 (laughs) but presumably you could move into a smaller house and maybe afford to still keep your children like it's not like he has to sell his children i don't know why immediately okay i no allowance rather than (laughs) going okay we'll move somewhere smaller it's immediately you have to go into basically slavery a little while ago she told me that i had to remarry or the allowance would stop this woman today was was my last chance. Our last chance. Ours? When the money stops, the house will be taken. Some of you will perhaps be put into the workhouse. Some will be put into the care of... into the care of others. I don't know how many of you will be allowed to stay together. I'm sorry to have failed you, children. You deserve so much better. It is quite horny, 
Mm-hmm. And Elsie did yeah. like it last night when we kept saying that this was a really horny film. She's like, no, it's not. It's not. It is, though. It is. There Maybe is some that quite scene is horny behaviour from some Celia of the characters. Celia Emery brings the horniness. Yeah, she does. She does. She's got her boobs out. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. The cleave. She's dressed for the wrong century. I presumably so they could show her her cleave. I'll be honest with you, though. Does everyone now dress like they're from this century? Most people. No, a lot of 90s fashions back in. Oh, I see what you mean. I, when we were teenagers, it was 80s fashion. Yeah, yeah I, okay, I see what you mean. It, there's a thing with like... So maybe she's just got a style and she likes it. No, that's completely fair. It's just one of those things where it's like, because fashion was so different century to century, if you dressed like it was the 19th century, at any point between now and 1900, like if you dressed like it was 1850, at any point after 1900 people would be like yeah but am i a noble woman or am i a pauper because i don't dress that differently to how i imagine paupers from the 1850s (laughs) (laughs) the main thing that changed for all peoples would be silhouette generalness so like in the uh, i don't know what decade silhouette now being potato I, I don't know exactly what year, but there was in the 18, I think possibly 1860s, probably a bit later, the bustle, you know, the like everything being here in the back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Got really popular. And then in Edwardian times, so like 1910, really pigeon breasted with everything else being quite slim was very popular. Hmm. The like S sort of thing. Yeah. So that was like, and, and poor women and, uh, rich women would try and fit the silhouette it's just to varying degrees of ability hmm. men have been wearing suits for fucking ages <laughs> i i just want to talk about the lessons really mm-hmm. that she says she wants to teach because i don't know if they're the five lessons i would choose well they do bring it up she she does say a little bit later <coughs> in the film um I have five lessons to teach. What they learn is up to them. No, I know, but... And lesson four, to listen, is complete. And that she's saying that to Mr. Brown because that's the lesson for him. Yes. Yes. But say the agency sent you said you got the opportunity to focus on five areas of study with your nanny. What was your five areas of study? Because I don't know if I would be choosing things like get dressed when they're told. I think that's the, general obedience, isn't yeah. it? I, I think that choosing the five lessons gives this like focus to the plot and structure. Yeah, no, to I it, agree. Whereas if it was realistic, you'd probably do more nebulous areas like discipline, politeness, yeah. honesty. And they're all things that you can show yeah. in a film, like putting clothes on, saying please, saying please. Um, Going to bed. Yeah. Getting up. I don't know if that's where I needed help when I was a child. Yeah, yeah I I had nannies. I had Yeah, uh, why don't we talk about your childhood with you experience with your nannies, Laura? Because um the lessons, we can't the relate. lessons we don't you know. needed to learn were things like not to be such a little prick. <laughs> to your nanny. Uh not to um I don't know if this will make it into the final edit but not to be have made um a nanny cry mm-hmm. and be sat across from the crying woman looking proud of herself mm-hmm. uh i yeah i relate a lot to these children in the beginning when i was a kid because i my i didn't scare away 18 nannies like all of my learned some it was uh 
I think nannies today are only of, about 12 or 30. Nannies today are made of stronger <laughs> stuff because there is no way in hell I could trick a nanny into thinking I was eating a baby. No, that is... Yeah, baby you, in the baby! That's, that's the how, baby. just to say, right at the beginning of the film, the nanny's screaming, running out of the house to the dad's work, going, they've eaten the baby! Just as a quick, as- quick aside, I looked to see if there, I could find any like really negative reviews or anything on mums then. I couldn't. But someone did say, um, this film said it wasn't going to be scary, but it starts with the children pretending they've eaten a child. It starts, <laughs> it starts with cannibalism. Yeah, it starts with cannibalism and I do think that this should have been noted. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, because some kids might not like that. Yeah, that's fair. But it's like, really though, I mean, of course they didn't eat the baby. It's a chicken. But in the Victorian times, maybe they, you know, hungry. He's got no money. Eat the smallest one. Well, you'd eat the largest one, wouldn't you? Look around. (laughs) You'd eat Simon. Look around for the baby before you go, ah, yes, they've definitely eaten the baby. Is it the baby baby which they've put in a pot full of vegetables? Why do they take the lid off and there's the baby? (laughs) Why doesn't Tora, as the largest child, not simply eat the others? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, uh, what was I saying? About your experience with nannies. Yeah, because I said to these guys there was one t- i don't personally remember this but we'd had like a temporary nanny and my mom came home and she was like when i came home and i walked in the door you were sat at the kitchen table with a big smile on your face sitting across from a crying woman who, what had you done to make her cry i don't know you, is there a chance your mum's lying about this probably not i was not what, what would be the goal for lying about that though making laura feel bad i don't know there's other ways there's more effective ways that she employed um oh god i know when she was trying to make me feel bad because she did it all the time this is no longer a fun podcast (laughs) um but yeah i don't know i think i was just vicious i think i was just saying horrible things um because then the second my mom got home the woman ran out crying she's like like responsible enough to know that you can't leave a five-year-old alone or younger but really doesn't want to be there anymore um i don't know where my brother was in all of this oh my god the medicine scene I was, I, the context of them all having measles in my like modern understanding of measles i'm like that's so serious to play with yeah but uh, there's the so she 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 pulls out the medicine and it's like cgi gloopiness it's like moving on its own and, and it's like sort of a scary like tense kind of music and it's getting closer to his mouth and then the music stops and it's gone quiet and he's looking at it and chrissy just goes in the background it's moving (laughs) and it's like i don't know if that was like an improv from her because it doesn't go with the rest of the sound design at all but it's such a funny addition it she wouldn't have been able to see it moving so i feel that is true more likely she was told to say that or they were all just riffing maybe but it just sounds like that was a moment that was supposed to be quiet and then she goes maybe she was supposed to say it quietly and she's like nah (laughs) (laughs) anyway that's a that's another part that's like entered the lexicon of me and arthur and betty then you will not get any better believe me i wish i'd had nanny mcphee 
as a nanny. So I no, but know. when you want her and do do not need her, okay, she has to now, go. yeah. But yeah. I definitely, I definitely needed her when I was a kid, Elsie. Yeah, yeah. With because you couldn't go to bed when you were told, or get dressed when you were told. Oh, the th- you yeah. definitely still can't get up with yourself. <laughs> hey, I was awake well. early this morning because I had yeah. a doctor's call. Why do you keep poking the books? emphasis um i wanted to do this film because it's always on at christmas so yeah i know it's not a christmas film but it reminds me of it finishes with snow yeah in august though well yeah if my cousins haven't seen it i'm gonna watch it with them this christmas yeah i might just watch it with me this christmas i would love to show you both the sequel yeah, I haven't seen the second yeah. one. When There's meant to be out? a third one as well, and they shelved that because yeah. the second one, even though it did really well, didn't do well enough. Yeah, so it's um, it it's not as good, but it's very good, and it's oh, you'd really oh, it's funny. I can't wait to watch it with you. Actually, I didn't know anything about this, and I said to Elsie last night, "Can you imagine? Imagine if instead of uh, Thomas Brody Sangster, the 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 oldest child was played by Asa Butterfield," she went. In the sequel, it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. The filming or imagining exists. It came it's out the second later. one. Yes. yes. We we should watch it. Well, I recommend that if you one of the few people listening to this who hasn't seen it, you take time over Christmas. Yeah. To watch this, it's it's just delightful. It's on Now it TV is. in the UK. And it, but it will probably be on ITV at some point. Oh, oh yeah, I'm yeah. sure it will. Has anyone got any nice plans for Christmas? What are, what are you doing? For about four days, I'm going to go well, to Well, no, home. no, it, it, it's already Christmas. Yes, remember, it, it is, is Christmas. It is at uh, least it's the Chris, 23rd. It's Christmas. It's definitely not uh, still November. Jingle, jingle, jingle. <laughs> jingle, jingle, jingle. I am going to be stuffing my face with all the food. All, every food. And all the wine, yeah. So back on this, this November 23rd or 8th, Meg made really nice little roast dinner for me and for herself, but like for me. <laughs> so I'm excited for more roast dinner. More roast dinner. More roast dinner. <laughs> yeah, but mainly the food, to be honest. I am not having. The, this will be like the second, maybe th- I think third year that I've not had Christmas, like had like a big Christmas. I'm just going to be with my mum and dad. And me and my mum have got, I believe, we've got a salmon on crew for Christmas <laughs> Day. Ooh. Yeah, it's like, fuck a Fancy. roast. Fuck a roast. <laughs> we, um, but roast potatoes. No, I, we'll have roast potatoes. It's just, we. My, I mean, my dad is not going to eat any meat anyway. So you're just like, fuck a roast bird. Yeah, who's you doing want, you that? Want fish. I can't go to Tesco on Christmas morning and get a rotisserie chicken, which no. is what I would do. <laughs> we, uh, we're, I, I don't know for certain obviously by this point in time i will know for certain because presumably i'll be there um we're having no you're there now yes yes hopefully i'm there now (laughs) hopefully where i am currently is my aunt's house um because i think christmas is just infinitely better when there's kids who are enjoying christmas in a way yes i do agree i wouldn't know because everyone i you have two younger siblings. No, I know, but they're we're really close in age. There's there are no children in my family. I'm we're the children. Oh, wait, well, yeah. I see what you mean. I and just we're mean, adults. Like, well, when you were kids, Christmas was more fun than when you were an adult, right? Well, sure, and but watching, I couldn't drink. <laughs> watching kids have that fun is it is quite nice. Is infinitely better. I mean, yeah, you can also now drink as an adult, but see the joy. Well, then I need one of you to hurry up and have some kids so I can experience that, please. Um, Meg looking at you. What Santa bringing you? 
Santa is bringing me um, Bill's money. Well, actually, I had, I've just had an idea. I think for a little behind the paywall bonus episode, we should give each other our presents on mic. That would be uh, nice. I, oh yeah. yeah. Laura's bought me an experience, so she you can she can reveal it. On yeah, mic. That, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> if you haven't guessed um laura is absolutely shocking at keeping secrets like she i'm just unbelievably bad it's it's for very sweet reasons because she's she loves giving gifts and she gets very excited about them but she will talk and talk around a present until you basically know what it is (laughs) (laughs) and i know she's trying very hard this year and honestly laura it it doesn't ruin it for me if you told me right now what nope. it was. And I, yeah. So you saying say, this does not ruin the experience for me, but this is very funny. I'm not bad at keeping secrets. I'm bad at not telling people what presents I've got. Specifically gift secrets. Mm, you're also quite bad at keep, just keeping your mouth shut. I think <laughs> that you you don't have that wherewithal to have to think, should this be a secret? That's your problem. Yeah, I do need to be told, hey, don't Don't tell. say that don't, to people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I will confide in something to Laura and her grandma knows the next day. No, 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 okay. It's not that fast to spread around the family. It's Meg who knows within the Well, it, depend, it depends when you're seeing your family, Laura. That's true. If you're seeing your grandma the next day, she knows the next day. That's true. <laughs> she does know some things about Meg that Meg wishes she, does, she didn't yeah, know. Yeah, I would say things about me that my own family don't like. And mum and dad, these are not secrets that I'm keeping from you. Um, you don't because I don't know. love and trust you. Don't you. Know. These are things that I don't want Laura's grandma to know, and she does. She is definitely forgotten. Good. Yeah. What What were we talking about before? Um, giving presents on mic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you want to hear that, just to just you know, just to be quite twenty twelve YouTube about it, anything that we give on mic, we're not bragging. We bought it with our own money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, actually, one of Elsie's gifts is now free because an error was made with some shipping stuff. So now it's free because I've been refunded it. She's, it makes me feel really special. Yeah. Well, <laughs> fucking yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Well, I hope you all have a good Christmas, guys. Thank you for listening to us just talk about Nanny McPhee. We just love it. Well, the thing is, that is the podcast, to be fair. Yeah, it is. We yeah, don't have right. to have yeah. fun facts about it. There aren't really that many fun facts, but it's just a nice film. I Lovely really, film. Well, but when we were watching the credits, we were <laughs> we watched the entire credits, reading out different names of the credits, because there are some brilliant names in the credits. What I really enjoyed is when both of us, when in time with her, said, Bounder and a cat. <laughs> Because it's one of those. And things. I said, "What does CAD mean, and what does bounder mean?" Because yeah, when we were defining what rake meant to you the other day, and, and then you, yeah, yeah, I said, "What does rake mean?" And they went, "It's bounder like a, and a cat." You, no, you said it's like a cad, and I said, "What's a cad?" <laughs> and they were like, like "Oh, you know what she says in Nanny McPhee? She says bounder and a cad." And I said, "What's, what's a, a bounder?" bounder? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what any. I don't know what bounder means. Cad, rake. Docs. I don't know what any of these things mean. <laughs> Anachronistic. What does that mean? The one, the one he says about getting better. What's convalescent? Convalescent. What? What do these words mean? I'm not very clever. There is something you should understand about the way I work. When you need me but do not want me, then I must stay. When you want me but no longer need me, then I have to go. 
Merry Christmas, Merry everyone. Christmas. And a happy new year. See you in the new year. See you in the new year. Are we doing, uh, when is the anniversary? The 19th, but we can do it just in general January. Okay. If, if that is easier for you, we can do that. For me. For all of us. <laughs> have a good Christmas. Have a good if Christmas. you celebrate and just have a holiday. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. Happy ho- yes. Okay. Happy Hanukkah. Shut up. <laughs> She's going to list them all. Happy Kwanzaa. <laughs>